0: Amen. What a day to be in the house of the Lord. And if I have not met you, I apologize. My name is Mark Parton, and I am the new pastor of this church we call Grapevine. And I am glad to be with you. My wife is on the front row. Wave your hand there, honey. And we've been here since February, the middle. And so we are here, and we're excited. And if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Titus, chapter 2. Titus, chapter 2. And we want to see what God's word says to us today. And I hope you're in prayer that God will speak to your heart. And God will just open your ears to hear, your eyes to see. As if for the first time you're going to encounter the living word of God. It says in Titus chapter 2 beginning with verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works heavenly father we bow before you this day praying that you would just work in our midst i pray god unction from on high god that you would just preach through me god your word i pray god you help us god to hear help us god to see help us god to respond as you call us god save that one here today that's closest to hell save that one here today god that sits in the presence of your spirit speaking to the heart restore that one that may be backslidden and trodden down give encouragement god to those of us who are struggling, God, under a load of heavy burden and labor. God, I pray you work mightily this hour for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 1600s, there was a man named John who lived. And John became a famous preacher. He became a noted author. But I dare would say none of you could remember a sermon that he wrote or you could remember a, 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 a sermon he preached or a book that he wrote. He was raised with a godly Christian mother and he had a wicked father though. Sometimes those situations happen in life. Maybe that's what you experienced. You had one godly parent and one ungodly parent and that's how John was raised up. He was brought up with a Christian mother who taught him the way of faith, who instructed him in the word of God. But when he was six years old, his mother died leaving him in the care of a wicked, vile father. And he fathered him to be just like him. At the age of 11, he took him on board a ship and he wanted him to be a sailor just like he was a sailor. But not just any type of sailor. He wanted him to be a slave trader. Because John's father, he dealt in human flesh, human product. He dealt as being a slave trader and he raised John to be a slaver. And John, he, he particularly leaned into this type of lifestyle. He particularly liked living a life that was riotous. He particularly liked living a life that had no restraints. And yet what happened to John was he found himself in a situation just to survive. He had to sell himself to a person to be that person's slave. And for two years, John lived on his hands and knees, scrubbing the deck, doing the work, to eat just the scraps that were thrown to him as a slave on board a ship. And one day while he was sailing as a slave on the Mediterranean Sea, a tremendous storm blew up. And the storm blew so violently that the waves came in. All the slaves were ushered onto the deck of the ship because they were responsible to secure the cargo. And then one mighty wave came across the deck of that ship. And it swept John and all the other slaves off the the ship into the ocean. And there, John, his lungs were burning for air. He was pleading. He was crying out. And the thought came to his mind... My mother read me a book called The Imitations of Christ by Thomas Kempis, and he understood that he was dying and he understood there was a God he could call on. I wonder if you've come to that place in your life yet where you realize that life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment. It's here for a short time and then it's gone. But there is a God you can call on. There is a God you can cry out to. And John cried out to God. said, God save me. And when he burst out of that water he opened up his nose, his mouth and he breathed in the air. And that was when what happened to John happened to me and happened to many of you. He was born again and then supernaturally there was another wave came and took John out of that ocean water landed him back on that deck and he was on his knees crying out to the Savior cried out to Jesus asking him to save him asking him to use him asking him to fill him. and John was a changed man Amen. because he met Jesus Christ and John went on to become a, a pastor an author And I doubt you've read any of his books. I doubt you remember any sermon he preached from the 1600s. But he wrote this little song you probably know. His name was Newton, and the song says, "Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me." You understand? You got to understand you're a wretch before you can understand you need a savior. And I'm not trying to talk bad to you, but I'm telling you the fact of life is this: you've got to understand you're lost before you can be found. You got to understand you're a sinner before you can know the savior, and you got to meet Jesus Christ in your sin as you are. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see what I used to didn't understand now God lets me understand because now my blinded eyes have been opened and I see through the perspective of the cross of Jesus Christ I see through the perspective of living into the very glory of God it was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved I had a fear inside my life when I died I would split hell wide open I had a fear inside my life if I didn't die without with jesus i would never know the sovereign son of god as my savior i would go to a devil's hell and i would burn eternally i had fear in my life but when i met jesus that grace turned that fear of death into the fear of the living god where i fear him in such a way he changes my behavior how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believed Man, grace shows up right on time through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. Guys, you've been living life. You understand if you've got any maturity and age about you, we live in a tormented time. We live in a terrible time. We live with toils and trials and dangers on every side. We've already come through it. It says, 'Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home.' And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we're just getting started. It's not starting right earlier it's just starting after 10,000 years we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun man we talk about grace We sing about grace We use the word grace all the time We say growing grace We say grace before our meals We talk about the day of grace, the disposition of grace But do we really understand How amazing grace really is Grace by definition Means God's totally undeserved Unmerited, unconditional Favor that he expresses to a Fallen world God's grace is his covenant that he made With you and he made with me He architected from the throne, from the very beginning of time grace was not an afterthought to God grace was established from the beginning of time grace is what God reached out in the Old Testament you were saved in the Old Testament by grace just like the New Testament it wasn't by the law in the Old Testament you got saved no the law showed us that we were sinners the law showed us it was a schoolmaster for us, our wickedness of our ways and we talk about grace and we use the acrostic for grace we say grace is God's riches at Christ's expense see God's grace is God doing in us that which we could not and cannot do for ourselves God's grace is God doing for us that which we could not and cannot do for ourselves God's grace is God doing with us that which we could not and cannot do for ourselves grace is what we read about all the way from the very book of Genesis look in Genesis 6 God looked upon the earth and all flesh had corrupted itself before the Lord and the earth was filled with wickedness and every thought of the imagination of the man's heart was on evil but noah but noah found grace in the eyes of god we read about grace in exodus chapter 33 and verse 14 where moses had been leading to god's people out of bondage and they disobeyed god they broke god's law and moses he's interceded and god says you have found grace in my sight You find grace in the Old Testament just like you do the New. Grace is what we read about in Psalm 84 verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We read about grace in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. Surely he scorns the scornful but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is what helped the early church survive persecution. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Jesus and grace. great Grace was upon them. Grace is what Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. You may have the abundance for every good work. Grace is what surrounds God's throne in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Amen! Do you have times of need? Yes. Do you have times where you're desperate for mercy? Yes. It surrounds the very throne of God. And we can approach God that way. Grace is God doing in us what we can't do for ourselves. Grace is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Grace is God doing with us what we can't do for ourselves. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. There's no other word so amazing as amazing grace. Because I don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. And while I was still a sinner, God loved me and he died and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary for me. And no other word is so amazing as grace. And that's what we find in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And there's three reasons at least we see why grace is so amazing. Grace is amazing because of its source. You look there in verse 11. The source is identified as none other than God. Grace is amazing because of its scope. All mankind, red or yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. Grace is amazing, my friends, because of its sufficiency there. You see, grace brings salvation. Grace works sanctification. Grace enables us through suffering. God's grace is amazing. Do you know God's grace? I'm not talking do you know about it intellectually. I'm talking about do you know it inside your soul. do you know know it inside your life do you understand what it means to be born again what it means to be washed in the blood what it means to be a child of the living God do you know grace now it's not some big marshmallow you go get you a big bite of and you go live any way you want to live see God doesn't wink at sin Grace, my friends, it works. Grace changes you. He changes a sinner into a saint. He changes a hellion into a heaven-bound child. He changes a person with no direction to a person with Grace works inside your life. There's a grace. Look at the source of grace. It is God's unmerited favor where he does in your life and my life what I cannot do myself. Do you understand? Grace is not man's idea. You understand grace is God's idea and God's initiation in us. The Bible says, while Mark was yet a sinner, Christ died for him. While you were a sinner, God did that while you were in your sin. God moved in your life while you were still lost. God worked all the way back in the Garden of Eden when original sin entered in with Eve and Adam. God said, I'll give grace. And when he slaughtered animals and made them skins of covering, he offered a blood sacrifice to himself, per se. And he covered them. But continually, you had to have that covering. You had to have that sacrifice. But when Jesus came, my friends, there was the last time there was ever a blood sacrifice ever had to be offered. And he said there's grace in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. God says, I will put enmity between thee and, thy, the, between thee and, and, and the, the, the woman. God says, "I'm going to put this hostility between the devil and the woman, the devil and mankind." You see, see, nobody wants to get along with the devil. And when we start buying into his lies and believing what he said, what happens is this, we get callous to God. And and, and that's a wrong way to go. But God says, I'm giving grace. I'm going to disturb you that you're going to know inside yourself that what you're doing, how you may be living, is not right. And and all through the Old Testament, you go through the prophets, the sages. He goes all the way back, my friends. Even in judgment, there was grace. And then it comes to John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, preacher, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Well, bless your heart. So do I, brother. Bless your heart. It says in James chapter 2, verse 19 that the devil believes also and trembles. It's not just enough to believe intellectually with your mind, but it says if you will believe in your heart and you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, he will save you. My friends, what happens is this. He moves inside your spirit. He lets you see you in your sin. He let you see you in your terrible wretchedness whereby you cry out to him for deliverance of your soul for salvation of your life. You see Jesus Christ came and when he came he was the reposition of the father. When Jesus Christ came he was an ocean of God's fullness to mankind. Jesus Christ coming it was the cleansing of God's redemption that was offered to us. Jesus is the majesty of God's power. Jesus is the reality of God's promise. That's why he says in John 1 14 he was in the world and the world knew him not but he was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and the Word dwelt among us, and he was the glory of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is grace. And Jesus, when he came, he was a personification of grace. You watch him meet that woman at the well's knee when he sat beside this woman who was living in sin. You see how he spoke to her. You see how he took the word of truth and broke it open to her. Do You watch how Jesus, he extends grace to the woman who was called in adultery there when they were getting ready to stone her. You see, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. You see the scope of God's amazing grace. You see, God says, for every man, red or yellow, black or white, whatever language you speak, Whatever area of life you may live in, God says, I can save you. All men, no exceptions. God can save you. Now we got some folks want to say that God has predestined some people to be lost eternally. And some are predestined to be saved. I don't believe it. Why? Because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe when God ignites inside your soul an awareness of your sin, you just became accountable before the throne of God. You just stood in judgment before God Himself. And you have to make your mind up. Who will you live for? Who will you give yourself to? Who will you surrender to? Will you surrender to the world? Or will you surrender to Almighty God? And when God quickens you and makes you aware of your need, you can respond to Him in faith. And when you can call upon; He will save you. I've read the book from cover to cover. It does not matter if you live in New York City or you live in the Hollers of Kentucky. It does not matter where you're from. When Holy God speaks into your heart, He will born you anew. He will change you. He will create within you a new man, a new one. You can be a hobo or you can be living in the high rise. He said, "I will wash your sins away. I will cleanse you. I will make you into what I want you to be." Whosoever calls upon My name in repentance and faith, I will save them you know anybody you think well I think God's going to have a hard time saving that one yeah most of us do but hear me guys, there's nobody outside the scope of God's grace. Even the hardest, even the most indifferent, even the ones who are, who are the vilest, he can touch and he can say, you see, see, that's why I can tell you the plan of salvation, I can read you the Romans Road. I can preach to you as I'm preaching, but hear me, unless the spirit of God quickens your spirit and opens up your eyes to see and your understanding to understand, it's just nothing. But when he does that inside you, oh my gracious, you're getting ready for a boatload of grace to come in. Because that grace of God will work in you, secure you, seal you. It will sanctify your very soul and help you in all your ways. It says in Isaiah chapter 55, everyone who thirsts come to the waters. See what it is today, we got people who are thirsty, but they're getting all kinds of fake stuff to drink. Right? Well, we drink that stuff that's got sugar free, but it's still sweet. That fake sugar, it's really healthy for us, isn't it? See, see, but when you get thirsty and you let the living Word of God, the living water of Jesus Christ, come inside your life, He will satisfy you like nothing will satisfy your soul. He will fill your life. It says that everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, you can't buy it. Your money's not good with God. It says, come buy, and He come, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money on that which will not satisfy? Man, we got a lot of folks doing that, don't we? We spend everything we got on stuff that doesn't satisfy us, so we got to buy more stuff. Now, some of y'all, a lot of y'all know we've moved, and we got a lot of stuff. We've lived 26 years in East Tennessee. We've got a lot of stuff that has accumulated. We were packing up the house, and I said, Char, where'd we get this? And she said, you bought it. I said, I don't remember it. I said, I must need it. She said, no, you don't. You've not needed it in the last 10 years. See, 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 we get stuff, and we don't even know we have stuff. And then we get this stuff, and all of a sudden it gets us distracted. And if you didn't sweat when you preached, you wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Because this thing right here is slopping everywhere. I'm sorry. If you've not figured me out yet, you probably won't. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, guys, if you weren't in that list, I believe you're lying. But look what it says and such were some of you but you are washed amen but you were sanctified amen but you were justified in the name of Jesus and by the spirit of our God you see what he does he takes us in our sin and he makes us brand new. so when you know somebody maybe it's your family member that you say Lord they're too far gone you just keep on praying because God can get to them God can fence them in God can corral them in such a way where nobody can speak a word to them but the spirit of God can move upon their spirit and they'll realize that God is their only hope look at the amazing grace, how amazing it is because of its sufficiency look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, hallelujah aren't you glad for that gift aren't you glad God gives us a gift of salvation as you come to him in faith, his grace is extended to you it's a gift from God. Salvation, my friend. Grace is sufficient for salvation. You'll never get good enough. I've tried that route. Oh, I've got to get some things straightened out. And when I get this all straightened out, then, then I'm going to come to church. Then, then I'm going to really get in. I'm so thrilled you come to church today. But coming to church is not going to get you to heaven. Listen to me. Meeting Jesus Christ. But hear me, hear me. Heaven is not the goal. I know we act like it's going to heaven and we got streets of gold when we get there. But the goal, the important thing to understand, it's meeting Jesus and letting the living Christ live inside your soul. And you walk in rhythm with the Holy Ghost day in and day out. And you walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And you know the abiding presence. And you know the peace of God. And when you pillow your head at night, you can have peace. And you can lay down. And you can talk to the Father. And you can listen to what His Word is saying. But hear me. It's by grace we are saved. And it's not because you get good enough because you never will. That's a lie the devil is trying to tell you. It's because you yield your life to Jesus Christ. And surrender and in repentance of your sin. But hear me. What happens is this what the enemy cannot deny he tries to distort because when you come to Christ through faith through grace by faith there's two ways that grace gets disgraced now hear me there's two ways that grace gets disgraced and the first way is by legalism oh grace is good but it's not enough Grace is good, but, but it's got to be something added to it. And that's called works. See, the blood of Jesus is good, but, but there's got to be something more. And legalism moves us from the revealed will of God to the perceived will of God. And we start projecting on others what they are to be. And we say, oh, the way is not straight enough and the, the gate is not narrow enough. And we start putting rules out there. And so legalism disgraces grace. Now the other thing that disgraces grace is license. Since I've been saved, it doesn't matter how I live. Well, that's a life in the pit of hell. Because it does matter how you live. And I'm not being legalistic. But you see the two, how extreme they are? But when you get saved, listen... I got saved when I was a 10-year-old boy. I've done alcohol. I've done drugs. I sat in jail one night after I got saved. Now, I know the church didn't know that before they called me. They may not have called me. But I'm just letting it out right now, all right? Listen to me. See, see, see. when you got saved, what happens after I got saved as a 10-year-old boy, I committed sin. See, I was not perfect. I was running from the call to preach. I said, I'm not, I am not a preacher, God. I won't do this. No, I'm shy. I don't like getting in front of people. Here I am. See, see, listen to me. See see, see, see. we got this idea. When I was saved, when I sinned, I knew it. See, 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 you get saved, you can't go back to your good time buddies like it was before because it disturbs your spirit. And if you can go back to your good time buddies like it was before and then not bother you, you're not met Jesus. Because see, see when you become his child He becomes your daddy my friends in a personal way And he has a right to correct you To discipline you He will disturb your soul And he will make you miserable And no matter what you're trying to do You don't enjoy it like you did Why? Because you're his child now Does that make sense to you? Because listen God says For by grace are you saved And my grace works in your life and My grace changes you You can't repent just a little bit and keep hanging on to some other stuff. You got it? I mean you can't do it. Second Corinthians 6 1. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. It's possible to receive God's grace in vain. You can frustrate God's grace. And Jude says you turn grace into last viciousness. See, grace brings forgiveness. But grace brings transformation. And, and, and they're, they're the same package. You just don't get forgiveness and go live how you want to live. That's the problem with this. this, this, a lot of talk about grace today. It's like, oh, you can do anything you want to. You've got grace to cover you. Yes, you've got grace, but you can't do anything you want to. You live is what God's Word says. It covers and it cleanses. Grace will change your life. You'll move from booze to the Bible. You'll move from heartache to hallelujah. You'll move from the world to the church. Your life was blinded now your life is blessed. Why? Because you're a new man in Jesus Christ. Grace is sufficient. Man, it'll save, it'll change you. And if it doesn't change you, you better check what you got. Because God is an almighty God. And God is a powerful God. Grace is sufficient for sanctification, it tells us there in Titus, verses 12 to 14. He will make us holy. He will make us like Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of salvation, becoming Christ-like. Come on, real men. It don't mean you've got to become a sissy. It don't. You're still a man, and people may still be scared of you, but you're gentle. See, see, you walk in confidence in Christ, not that you can whip people. You walk in confidence of Him, and you man up. You are to be a man of faith, and He makes you into a holy man. And Grace is sufficient in times of suffering. Now, guys, this is where we live, isn't it? Amen. I'd love to say, you meet Jesus and you'll have no more problems, but I'd be lying to you. Because when you meet Jesus, get ready. Problems are coming. Amen. Let me tell you a little secret Whether you meet Jesus or not Problems are coming But with Jesus You've got a resource you can go to You've got a rock you can stand on You've got a way that you know is right But there is going to be suffering And we live in a sin fallen world Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 12 9 My grace is sufficient for you For my strength God's strength is made perfect in weakness Therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities That the power of Christ may rise Rest upon me. Paul prayed and prayed and prayed that God would remove this thorn in his life, that God remove this problem, this pain that constantly was in his life. He prayed for three seasons, not just three simple prayers, but for three seasons. And God didn't take it away. He said, My grace is sufficient. Amen. Amen. My grace is. Guys, I had an old preacher tell me one time. He said, I will not, or my wife will not know dying grace until that moment happens. I won't know what it is to know God's grace to sustain me if Char were to pass before me or I were to pass before her. And you don't get it early. You don't get grace like that early. You don't get dying grace early until you're dying. I remember an old preacher telling me one time up in West Virginia when we were there. He he said, my wife had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And he said, I asked her, I said, honey, if at all possible, I want you to tell me what you see when, when it's time for the end. And he said, my wife had been in a coma now for three days. And she had not spoken. She had just laid there in the bed. And, and it, was getting, it was getting close. And, and he said, she never spoke a word. But all of a sudden, my wife, her hands went straight up in the air. And he said, she spoke volumes to me, never saying a word. Because she showed me, told me what she saw. Because her Savior was coming to receive her in the glory land. See, they're suffering God, But grace is sufficient. Grace is sufficient. It says in Titus chapter 2, it says, look up. You have a blessed hope. The glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Look up. There's a pastor one time. He'd taken his wife down to the hospital for some testing and he called a preacher friend of his a couple of states away and he said, we're here at the hospital. I want you to pray. Nothing serious. My wife's going in for some tests. I just want you to pray about it. He said, well, i pray. He said, let me know what goes on, okay? And so the next day that pastor calls his preacher friend and his preacher friend answers the phone and the guy said he barely got out a word. He said, I couldn't even understand him. And he just, he just overweight. He said, I'll be there in a, in a few hours. And so he got in his car and he drove all the way to that hospital. He walked down that hallway and that pastor was standing there at the doorway of where his wife's room was and he said he told her it was terminal cancer she has two months to live I can't tell her will you tell her for me and that preacher had known this couple for a long time and he he walks into that room and there that little lady full of grace (laughs) and she said it's okay I already know I'm going to be fine He said, did the doctor talk to you? Yes, the doctor told me I have two months to live. But I'm going to be fine because I've walked with Jesus. And Jesus has got all this under control. And he's the one that's making all the decisions. And then she started singing a song. When peace like a river attendeth my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well With my soul. Do you know who wrote that? I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Horatio Spafford? All right. If not, we'll make that one up. Do you know how he wrote that song? He was on a ship sailing from the United States to England. He stayed back, sent his wife, three kids on ahead. He had to close up business, and the ship sank in the middle of the ocean, and they all drowned. And so when he did make his way to England, he told the captain, Make sure I'm awake when we cross that spot where the ship went down. And at the very spot where the ship went down, the captain woke him and said, Here it is. And he wrote this hymn, It is well with myself. Verse 2 Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood. For my soul, Amen. oh sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. O oh, my soul. Verse 4. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine. For in death as in life, thou shalt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee. For thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Oh, trump of the angel. O oh, voice of the Lord. Blessed hope. Blessed rest of my soul, oh Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Let me ask you, is it well with your soul today? Let me ask you. Do you know that you know that you know if you were to die tonight, you would go to heaven when you die? Or do you say, I hope so, preacher. I hope, I really hope. Guys, the Bible says it is written that you may know that you have eternal life. It is a no so salvation, not a hope-so salvation. You say, well, preacher, I know, I don't know if I would die to go to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. You know what? God has had to speak to your heart to give you an awareness of that. And God has opened his word. He's made it living to come into your life. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I beg you. Come to this altar and we can help you, show you with an open Bible what it means to be saved. And you can trust Christ. Maybe, maybe you are saved. And maybe you're just going through a time of heartache and difficulty and challenge. And, and you've got a heavy burden upon you. You just need to say, God, I need to know your grace is sufficient. Maybe you need to come to an altar and pour your heart out. Maybe you've not been in a while to an altar. And, and you've not gotten to do business with God as you should have. Man, it's open to you. As they come to sing the, the hymn of invitation, let's have a word of prayer as God prepares our heart for this time. Father, I come before you right now. And I ask you, Lord Jesus... That you would speak, Lord, to those who are lost. Quicken their hearts, God. Open their eyes to see, their ears to hear, their heart to respond. And let them respond to you even now, God, in faith to your grace, God. Do your work of grace. God, for those, Lord, who don't know for certain, God, let them nail it, settle it down today that they're your child. They've been born again, Father. Lord, work in their hearts, changing them, giving them, God, desires, God, that only you can put in a life. And Father, if there's those here just struggling with life, God, help them, Father, to look to you, to cast every care upon you and to trust you. But Father, you work and you speak, God, mightily even now as we begin singing this invitation hymn. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, won't you come? Won't you obey what God has said to your heart? Never again will we meet in this place like we are right now because somebody won't be here next time. This may be the last opportunity you have. To do business with the Father. Don't take that for granted. We never know when our last breath will come. Obey God as he speaks to your heart. As they sing. The altar's open. Obey God. Let's stand together.